Hello, people. This is Brian Courtney with Short Bus Debate Club. I would like to thank you for listening. Today, I, as always, have Darren Jolly with me. Hi. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about something that we've kind of touched on in, in past episodes. I know in episode six, we touched on it um, when we were talking about the state protecting people and, and kids. Um, but we're going to talk about drug policy and how that drug policy has essentially created the militarization of our police force who are supposed to protect us and a huge fucking swollen prison system that I think the United States is currently housing 25% of inmates globally, which that's a big fucking number. Um, Staggering. Considering that both India and China have over a billion people, we end up with 25% being, <laughs> being in prison. So um, we're the democracy. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whoever told you that is your enemy. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about drug policy. And like I said, I know we touched on it in episode five and probably previous episodes, but. Um, as far as I'm concerned, we are on the wrong track with our, our drug policy. Um, you know, if, if you want to keep it illegal, um, maybe make the punishment for it more in line with what it actually is. Um, these mandatory 25 years for possession distribution, whatever the case is, um, especially since if you've got it, they generally try to say that you were going to fucking distribute it anyway. Um, it, it's a problem. I mean, 25 years, I'm almost 50 now, so that would be half of my fucking life. So if I got busted when I was 25 for, again, possession and distribution, I could still be in fucking jail right now instead of doing this podcast and entertaining all of you motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is odd. It is odd because of the way, I mean, again, and you know, we, we always tend to come back to certain themes. Um, and, you know, Brian's a, he's a big promo, free market, you know, capitalism guy. But when the market gets subjugated to these spaces where you know like money for police you know money for prisons profit for prisons i mean something like that doesn't that just seem like like the concept of it like totally socially out of whack i mean what what, what is what is where where does the line draw between the concept of capitalism and the concept of citizenship i mean is, 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 is citizenship about hurting people into certain spaces because they had a couple ounces of cocaine and uh, putting them away for 25 years? I mean, is this, does this honestly, you know, make, make sense on any meaningful level? I mean, I just uh, I don't even know where to begin or end with any of that stuff right now. You know, it's funny that you said money for police. So I'll have to do more research on it. But here in Colorado, we have something called the Law Enforcement Assistance Fund. And basically, if you ever get in any trouble 
a portion of your fine or they actually line item that fine to where that money goes into this law enforcement assistance fund. And again, I'll have to do research on the, the drug part of it, but I know that that is a huge part of the money for police because they always say they're not doing this to generate revenue. They're not doing this to write tickets. They're doing it to make people safe, right? Well, it's been, I don't know, 2006, um, a city here in the state of Colorado got $5 million to their police force for writing a certain amount of DUI tickets. So, really? Yeah, that's a huge number. Now, my guess is that they're doing something similar with drugs and they get money for busting drug dealers like they would DUI offenders. Again, I, I would have to research that, but you guys all, no matter what state or municipality you're in, have something similar to our law enforcement assistance fund where they get paid again for doing their job. So, well, now obviously the police the the squad guys and you know the ones out on the street they might get some kind of bonus but they don't get the lion's share of that five million the the city does but they're still getting paid for doing what they're supposed to be doing and our tax base is supposed to cover that payment so money for police i think it's fucked well, on the concept of incentivizing uh, you know busting people and putting them in you know potentially putting them in prison getting them in front of a judge where they could end up being in prison. that's that's uh that's 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 highly problematic yeah and i would just be speculating here um you i yeah i know weird right but if, again, they're doing it for DUIs. They're probably doing it for drugs. And I wouldn't doubt that some of these private prisons and probation companies and companies that monitor parole and things like that, I wouldn't doubt that they were given kickbacks to the counties and, and municipalities because they're making big fucking money off of all of these things, you know, probation and parole. Um, the County is paying these outside companies to do that now or the state. And then the prisons, the state or federal government is paying these prisons. So they've got a lot of money. They've got a lot of invested interest in keeping the drug policy where the drug policy is actually they have a lot of interest in making it even more where, you know, things that are now legal are starting to be illegal or, or pulled off shelves. Um, unwashed poppy seeds is one of them. Kratom is one of them where they're all saying, oh, well, people have overdosed from the or overdosed from these. You need to, to make them illegal and pull them off the shelves. And it, it's just, it's wrong. Well, and if we're going to talk about the, just in the context of freedom, the, the political economy uh, doesn't just, you know, extend to the, 
that militarization of the police and the, the prison industrial complex. Um, there's a guy by the name of Max Haddow. He's the head of the American Kratom Association. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm pretty sure that this guy probably is making money off of Kratom. But uh, um, in 2016, when they were trying to push for the uh, uh, legalization of Kratom, the primary lobbying group that was pushing for that was a group called Medicated Assisted Treatment. Okay, what what is what is Medicated Assisted Treatment? It's it's a rehab program. It's it's and it's a rehab program. Program that's a it's a private rehab program that makes them, they they get a ton of money funneled to them from the state, and they make shitloads of profit off of dealing with people that have you know oxy, heroin, fentanyl, all that that family of drugs. And uh, whether or not anybody wants to acknowledge it or not, um, and I'll stand by this uh, from personal experience, uh, Kratom uh, is an incredible helper in curbing issues in relation to that family of, of, of drugs. It, it, it's really helped uh, a lot of people when, when they actually, I think it was at the beginning of 2017 when they started to pull them off the, the shelves, but the overdose issue became so bad that the, they had to roll back their policy and re, reopen it. What is it? Schedule. They had to move it from schedule one to schedule two or is it two, two is the, the heavier one though, right? They moved it back from two to one. Isn't that the, who the DEA? Yeah. Yeah. They were moving it. Just, they were Kratom is on the schedule now they, when they were, when they were pulling it off, they, they made it a sky. It's, it's schedule two is the worst one, right? The, yeah. I yeah, think they, so. They, schedule two narcotics. They, 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 they moved it to a schedule two and, and, uh, then they had to retract their position in relation to that and, and rethink it. Yes. They were, that was part of, that's part of how they, that they forced it off the shelf in the first place was because you have to have it designated as something that, uh, they can hurt. They can, you know, that's uh, that hurts society. You know, the whole rhetorical disposition in relation to why you have scheduled two narcotics in the first place. So, um, but they did have to retract their position. But the whole, the whole point that I'm saying there is, it was all through that uh, the financial push from that company, from that or that uh, lobbying group that was making a ton of money off of um, rehab facilities. So. When you're talking about drug policy, you're not just talking about the police. You're not just talking about prison. You're, you know, you're talking about uh, private rehab spaces that are making money off of it too. And like again, we don't. I'm like, you know, again, like the socialist thing, this and that. I'm not demonizing markets. I'm not demonizing, in spite of everything that I said. But I, I do think that we need to understand the way that a certain logic, when it reproduces itself, it makes everything about making money. It's not really about taking care, make, letting people take care of themselves or a uh, society being able to make intelligent decisions where people are able to not get brutalized by this paternalistic system that is essentially uh, crushing them, putting them in prison, so them down. I, I just want to back up a little bit because I, uh, I went to the Department of Justice website to look at scheduled drugs and Schedule 1 controlled substances are the ones that have no accepted medical use in the United States. Examples are LSD, big, big fan, <laughs> peyote, methoqualone, um, ecstasy, heroin. So those are, are the ones on Schedule 1. Schedule 2 are the ones that have a high potential for abuse and might lead to severe 
psychological or physical dependence. So those are oxycodones and, and those. So they were probably trying to make Kratom. No, they couldn't make Kratom. They were going to make it a Schedule 1. No, it was Schedule 2. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go find it. I'll no, because Schedule 2 are the ones that have medical use but a high potential for abuse. I, I, I'll, I'll get the information. I'm just reading the DOJ stuff. I, you, you're reading the DOJ stuff that's defining it. You're not reading something that says when Kratom was being made illegal, it was being made Schedule 1. So well, well, I'll, I'll find it. No matter what, the point, this technicality, they were trying to make it illegal. And it was removed from the, from the, the space where it was illegal because so many people were overdosing. And they realized that people were actually using it. There was a, ben a benefit to the way that people were using it in society, keeping themselves from, from having these difficulties. So, and, and there's a problem with this anyway, because they have five categories within this thing. And I, I know you still probably want to talk about Kratom a little bit, but to have five categories of controlled substances in which they monitor to see whether or not there are abuses happening and you know, illegal sales or, or whatever, that's a fucking problem. Um, because Schedule 5 is shit, it's just codeine, like Robitussin, um, and other certain narcotics of limited quantities. You know, so again, it's okay if you have this much, but now if you have this much, it's illegal. And, and that's a problem. Again, what are, the other, what are the other schedules? What are they? So there's one, two, and two N, which is where oxycodone and Percocet lie. There's schedule three and three N, which these are narcotics that have not more than 90 milligrams of codeine per dosage. So it's like Tylenol with codeine, um, Suboxone, Ditrex, um, Anabolic steroids are on that list. Then Schedule 4, these are drugs that have a low potential for abuse relative to substances in the prior schedule. And that's uh, Xanax, which I don't understand that one because I thought that along with oxycodone in West Virginia, Xanax was one of the things helping with the ODs. Um, Soma, which that's some weak. Bullshit. Clonopin, um, Transine, Valium, and I know lots of people that like Valium a lot. Um, Halcyon, or Hal, yeah, Halcyon, yeah. Um, Versed. So that's Schedule 4, and then Schedule 5 is Cough Preparations, containing not more than 200 milligrams of codeine per 100 milliliters. Um, so that's Robitussin with codeine, Ezogabine. Um, that might be where that stuff, uh, what the fuck was that golden shit that they used to give me when I had a cough? Oh, the, uh, uh, the liquid? Yeah. Ooh. Well, I thought that was all opioid-based opiate stuff. Well, I'd had a... Anyway, it was yeah. really good. Yeah. I, I, I like it too. <laughs> and I don't think I can get that anymore because of this bullshit drug policy. 
it was schedule one. You're right. So they, they had it. They put it as schedule one uh, temporarily and then they, they reversed it. Well, that's because I grind a motherfucker down. It's interesting. <laughs> it's interesting that they, that, like they, they, they say ecstasy has no social, I mean, because of all these, uh, these tests lately where psychologists are using MDMA. As, right. Yeah. Especially for veterans who uh, are dealing with post-traumatic stress. And so they're saying no medicinal value. And while those tests are showing results, um, the FDA, which also has a strong influence on drug policy. Um, but they're totally honest and they have no connection to the industry. At absolutely. All. And they just, you know, let pharmaceuticals, they make sure that they're doing their testing properly um, before they're released to the marketplace. They make sure that the side effects are, are minimal. Um, the FDA is protecting us all day, every day, all day, every day. Um, but the FDA, so they are going to look at those tests from the MDMA and they're going to say, okay, well, you didn't have a large enough control group or you didn't have a large enough sample size or whatever. So even though your, your results are showing this huge benefit, we're not going to endorse it as medicinal value or medically valuable which is creating all these you know because like you know mexico you, you can do them down there i mean it's as much as i hate the concept of the nation state when you have different municipal legality legal spaces you can so like yeah the fda of course they say they say no you know we're making money over here so we're not gonna we're not gonna let you penetrate it over here then of course the only people that can go down and do that are the people that have the money to go down to Mexico and do these MDMA, you know, and all these various different. There's a bunch of different psychedelic ones that uh, that people do down there. You know, but and I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm a friend to the FDA or the United States government for that matter. Um, but I do want to make sure and mention, you know, lots of groups did lots of testing with LSD. Um, and a lot of it, you know, was not moral for sure. It might have been legal, but it was a moral. The CIA did, uh, MP Ultra, that wasn't uh, no ethical. Right, yeah. right. Um, but, you know, the, and then even if you take LSD out of it, I know that they were fucking back in the, the 70s, they were fucking shooting radiation into prisoners' balls to see what the fucking result would be. You know, so I, I can kind of see where the the FDA is coming from from a testing perspective, saying your tests aren't valuable. <laughs> Intuitively, of course, you have to come. I mean, like, so I mean, we're talking a lot about illegal drugs right now, but I remember when I was back when I was going to when I was doing my undergraduate, um, I was right when like LexisNexis and Mexico and all that stuff came out, so you could look at these databases and find all kinds of crazy ass articles about this and that. Somehow or another, I started looking at um, what do you call them? S uh, serotonin or SSRIs? Is that uptake uptake inhibitors? Yeah. So yeah. I was because because this is when you were living over at that townhome, and one of your neighbors, one of your crazy neighbors, was taking Paxil or one of the heavier ones. And uh, 
I got into a conversation with her about it, and uh, she she said uh, when she was still floating back and forth between one one and another one, and that she bitch get, was crazy. Yeah, she get a little cuckoo, right? And she's like, they're saying that it isn't causing people to to commit suicide, but I, she's like, I have three friends that have killed themselves when they come off of it, and they're not weighing themselves, and you know, I have suicide suicidal ideation. This is really before that term had come out, but uh, which maybe it was a better day to be perfectly honest with you, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, she was imagining herself killing herself. That, that you know, but then she's like, "There's something wrong with that stuff." So I went, you know, you get bored. You you hear something like that from somebody, and and she is so loopy, you know, that I was like, "This is something probably I ought to look into." So I found this uh, article um, in the Times uh, that uh, there was uh, through the British National Health, you know, Institute, whatever it is. I can't remember what they're, but uh, uh, they took a study that was done through the through the FDA and. Um, they looked at uh, the heavier ones that are so that the ones that are heavier than Prozac, and uh, they were looking to see whether or not there was a link between uh, taking them, coming off of them, and and suicide rates, like raising. And the original uh, study said no, there's no, there's there's zero correlation, no correlation at all. And uh, they literally, because that's the whole point of science, right? Is is that if you're going to say that we do these tests, we can repeat the same test and we get the same outcome, right? That's science, right? That's what they say, right? If you test again, it's the same outcome. If it's not the same outcome, then the original science that was done is clearly uh, flawed. Yeah, to, to say the very least. So uh, when they they came when they came through and ran the test again, or went, went through the same test process, uh, not only was it off, but there was a 4,000% increase in the number of people that were committing suicide. But the whole point of the test wasn't just to look at whether or not there was a correlation between suicide. It was also to look at and see who it was that was funding those tests in the first place. And of course, it was uh, Pfizer and all the various different pharmaceutical companies. So, like, we have these drugs that are criminalized. We have these drugs that are not criminalized. These drugs are fucking people. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying all SSRIs are bad. There are people that I know that are on them that need them to be certain, to be sure. But, I mean, there's an entire group of people, like 20, 20 30 years of, of, of people that have been test subjects for these, you know, short run, you know, we're, we're going to see how this affects you. We don't really know what the long-term consequences are on people because we've only been testing them for three years or four years. Like, I know people that are fucked up in the head for the rest of their lives because SSRIs and these are the drugs that are legal. legal. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always told you um, that if you give me a study that says one thing, I can find a study that says the exact opposite. And that that's a true statement. I mean, because, you know, whether it's milk or caffeine or uptake inhibitors or oxycodone or whatever, somebody is going to be paying someone else to do a test that refutes the results from the other one. Um, but there, you know, you say these being legal and these aren't when all of this shit with my pain started happening back in 2012, they were fucking with my cocktail to try to, to get my pain down. And I went through Cymbalta, Civella and Lyrica. Lyrica wasn't bad at, but it didn't do shit for my pain. Um, actually, none of them really did shit for my pain, but one of them made me into a complete fucking zombie. Like, 
I was sitting there just drooling on myself. And I remember, I don't know how I remember, but I remember just sitting on my couch and you knocking on the door and you came in and we were just sitting there and you were like, dude, what is wrong with you? And I was just fucked up. I couldn't move. I couldn't think. I was completely out of it. Now, those are probably the results you want for certain patients, but I didn't want to just sit there, and I definitely don't want to lose my mental capability. Yeah, you're, you're, you're not a person who's on antipsychotics or something like that. This is, <laughs> right. pain, pain relief is not supposed to be akin to the things that's, you know, help a schizophrenic or, you know, people that have real deeper, heavier mental issues. You know, so maybe what we should do is get a group together for illegal drugs to make them legal and just lobby the shit out of Washington, D.C. the way that Pfizer and, and the other pharmaceuticals do. Because I know that they get testing through. And, you know, when when the doctor was messing with my cocktail, trying to figure out what was wrong, I was so frustrated because I'm like, dude, you know, I see these fucking commercials and they say that they're working and that this result is done and this result and whatever. And he told me, he said, don't, don't pay attention to those commercials. He said, most of those, the positive result that you're going to see is anywhere between like 20 and 45%. So they're, they're doing all of these commercials, making people think, oh, well, fuck, that's the end all be all of drugs because of what they're saying. And the positive result is on such a small portion of the group. It should be illegal for them to say that shit. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I was positing. Like if you're saying that you're running these tests appropriately and you're saying it too, like this is bullshit. I mean, this is, this is not, this is not science the way that they're doing this. Again, this is the market uh, driving outcomes so that you can get a quick, you know, infusion of capital. I mean, Free, free market science. <laughs> and it's, it, it come, it's said in that order for a reason, because it's free market first and science second. So, Yeah, I, I mean, it's a, a problem. Um, and again, these guys at whatever pharmaceutical company, and there are hundreds of them, because the ones that are making the name brand shit, you know, that Rush Limbaugh took and that... Uh, whoever is is on the commercial those are the name brand ones but there are hundreds and hundreds of companies that are making money by producing the generic form of these drugs so that they can push them out so you know we say Pfizer because everybody knows who Pfizer is yeah, most but it's not just Pfizer. It's it's lots and lots of them that you've never fucking heard of, probably. Well, so yeah, I mean, you said get a bunch of people together and, and, and lobby. You know, if, if if I had hit that mega million, mega millions of one point three 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 seven billion later, you know, I might be a player for a couple of weeks, but I'm not even going to be a player for a couple of weeks. I mean, I made that smart ass comment a couple of weeks back where we were uh, uh, we were talking about. Uh, Dark money for the revolution. I said dark money for the revolution. You know, God, I, I love the thought, you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that you essentially either have to be printing money or 
have a relationship with the people who are printing the money to be able to, to utilize those outcomes. And I want to be clear about this. I'm not saying that money is evil. Money is the alienated capacity of humanity. Money is, 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 is our ability to understand value in an abstract way. This is an innovation. In spite of all you motherfucking Marxists who stand out there and say, we need to have a revolution and do away with money. This is the stupidest fucking thing that I've ever heard of in my life. You don't want to do away with money. You don't want to do away with the ability to have an abstraction. You want to do away with the ways in which it's being reproduced to where the things themselves are being subjugated to those concepts of value. Meaning, in this instance, where uh, money is the only thing that drives drug, drug policy. Whether it's illegal drugs, whether it's legal drugs, whether it's the police or the prisons. We need to have... You're going to need to have prisons. You're going to have people that need to go to fucking jail. But you don't want it to be for profit because that shit fucks it up. You want it to be serving a, a social function. Otherwise, it all gets perverted and lost. Sorry, I'm getting off my... Uh, I'm, put, I'm moving my... Uh, no, that's that's fine. And I, But I'm a big believer that I can do whatever the fuck I want. Until me doing whatever the fuck I want harms someone else or impedes on their freedom to do whatever the fuck they want, right? So, I don't know. Maybe the decriminalization of drugs. Or legalization. Well, but I said decriminalization on purpose. Okay. So maybe the decriminalization of drugs is okay because then drug dealers can still do business without bloating the prison system. But the minute that they sell a fucked up batch of opioid, the opioid that's manufactured fentanyl, and it kills a bunch of kids, now they have harm somebody doing whatever the fuck they want. So here's just a, so I got a question. So like you decriminalize it, right? So does that mean at that point, so when I, when I went to Costa Rica, I did, I did a poker tournament down there 15 years ago, right? And um, uh, the sex trade is a thing that happens down there, right? You go to this place and there are these girls and they have to clock in and clock out. They have to, uh, um, they have to uh, get tested twice a month. I mean, it's, it's all regulated. I mean, like the- take mandated lunch breaks. <laughs> yeah, you got a smoke break. Yeah, you get a smoke break. <laughs> I'm really tempted to tell a really funny story right now. I'm not sure if you all are ready don't, for it. Don't so. tell the toothbrush story. No, no, it's not the toothbrush story. Oh. It's a different one. So I'm not going to tell them. We'll, we'll save it for a different. We'll do one on on. Uh, uh, you know, legalizing sex, uh, the sex trade, and then I'll, I'll tell it. I'll save it for that for that day. Okay. Yeah. Toothbrush stories. Never going to be okay for this this one. You know, those people, you those people that that are doing illegal shit uh-huh. are going to really fucking hate us if we do a show legalizing the sex trade. Uh-huh. So now we're talking about legalizing drugs. <laughs> then we're talking about legalizing the sex trade. Gambling is almost legal in every state. So that leaves bookmaking out. So these people are not going to be happy they with us. Oh, yeah, that works. See, I, I got a plan, guys. I'm not, ladies and guys. I'm helping you. There's a there's a way forward. <laughs> but so but the, to, to, to bring it back around. So 
if you're going to sell drugs in that environment, like, how do you catch the person that, that has the, the dirty batch of fentanyl? I mean, like, is there... Well, generally speaking, there's a chemical marker. Um, especially in the case of fentanyl, because of the fact that it's completely manufactured so and is synthetic. Like, is that, is that the one that this person's selling going to be on file with somebody then? Or well, to... I don't know for sure, but I think that... So they bust the guy with the fentanyl, and they say, okay, these guys OD'd. And I think, again, I don't know for sure, but I think because of that chemical marker, like you can tell whether or not they were taking heroin that was 95% pure versus heroin that was 65% pure. So I think that chemical marker in the fentanyl is there and that you could tell that that was the fentanyl that they took based on the, the number of milligrams or whatever and that that chemical makeup but i don't know for sure yeah well, i like the. i mean no matter what i like the idea i mean if if if, if you just make it to where you i don't want to say disincentivized because what i really i mean if you do something like that to a person you deserve to get you deserve i mean if, if you do that to kids you deserve to get killed well do you concerned. do you really i mean i was just i was just putting that out there because i thought you know, maybe it wasn't a bad idea. But now that I think about it, if I went and bought that from dude, uh-huh. I made the choice to buy it. So should he get the death sentence for it? If, if, look, if he knows. I mean, if he knows it's a fucked up batch. That's why I'm saying, like, like if we can, if, if, we, we, if we know where, I mean, if we, we have to know where these things are coming from. That's the only way that this is ever going to work out, right? I mean. Otherwise, yes. Otherwise, your point is correct. Because then, it, in in this moment, this guy might be selling something that he got from this person, who came from that person, who came from that person, who is the manufacturer, and you're literally four steps removed, and you're still stuck in the same system where you have to bust this guy, get him to roll over on this individual, you have to bust that person, roll over on that individual, and as you know, people who had a relationship to that kind of political economy historically, long, long time ago, not anymore. Um, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't right. Work. But I mean, again, so, you know, I don't drink much anymore, but I used to be a drinker. And, you know, I knew that if I bought McCormick's vodka, I was going to have a fucking horrible hangover and probably be sick for at least a day. So can I go to McCormick's and say, hey, you guys are fucking assholes. You have shitty booze that's cheap. That's why I bought it. But I was sick for a day. I can't do that. So I don't know. And again, I'm just I'm spitballing here because I, I don't know the answer. But personally, I think legalization should occur, which I've already said. But if it is just decriminalization, and everyone has the right to do what it is they want to do. Then can we really bust that guy if I, he I, if he doses a bunch of people with a bad dose? I, I don't even know like how bad I want to get caught in that space. But this is one thing that I would say: you can go to any head shop today, and you can buy fentanyl tests. To, so you get you 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 got and you put it on your MDMA, you find out whether or not. It hasn't in it. So if I go and I buy 
a thousand pills from somebody, I think that that, you know, I mean, to be honest with you, if, if I'm the person that's going to go and do that, I'm going to take the fentanyl test with me. And I'm going to test one before I buy it. Yeah, but you if know? you're buying fentanyl. Uh, I'm not I'm but I'm not saying buying fentanyl. I'm saying I'm buying the MDMA that's gotcha. not supposed to have the, the fentanyl in right. it. So I take the fentanyl test and I test the MDMA from the person that I'm purchasing the MDMA. So, like, I think that, you know, that, I mean, that's a, that's a natural thing. If you're going to be involved in that, like, you have to, there has to be a measure of responsibility with the individual who's, who's bringing the thing to the marketplace. Right. I think that's, so I still, like, like you said, I, I prefer legalization. You know, I prefer to be in a situation where, all of this stuff, you know, we really do start to play the science game, honestly. You know, we really do start to use the money that comes out of it. To, I mean, come on, Colorado, the weed things, you know, I mean, I haven't really ever had the chance to go and look at, you know, how how well it's affecting the education oh, system. Dude, we j- I don't think it's doing shit for education except maybe letting them, you know, buy more books and stuff. Yeah. I don't think they're educating any better. Wait, yeah, we went over that but, a couple episodes ago. Right. But I would say that, I mean, we made a fuck ton of money in the first quarter. Hand over. Yeah, there's a lot of money. So, 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 so much money. And so a lot of our financial difficulties as a state, and I, I'm not talking about the state of Colorado. I'm talking about a, the state of the union. Um would would go away and it bothers me all of these people use this fucking religious argument that that god doesn't want you to do this and and they say that it's the religious right that's holding us back but again those people that are spouting the religious shit are only using it when it's convenient for them because they want something out of it which in this case is money. There's a lot of fucking money to be made on both sides. And keeping it illegal makes money for politicians, the cops, the prisons, and I don't know, probably a lot of border crossing guards. And I mean, you name it, flight people that are, are letting planes in. Uh, customs agents. <laughs> you know... This is just an ancillary point, but and we need to. This isn't just the, the the argument from the religious side is just one. There's a whole bunch of people that are cloaked in liberal clothing that that that, that say say freedom, and then they come in and on the side get super paternalistic, maternalistic. You know, they don't get they get an angel to protect the kids. Blah, 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 blah. You know, I don't I don't like that that bullshit either. So. No, but it's easier for a kid. To get whatever, fentanyl, MDMA, weed, obviously. But, I mean, I think if I wanted drugs, illegal drugs, I would go to a kid, like in high school, because they can point me in the right direction. Go to this park or go there. If you go to this party, ask for Tom. Um, Look for a guy wearing a fucking fuzzy bunny outfit and... He's wearing sunglasses and carrying a bright fucking light. Right. You know, one of the things, like, this, so when Colorado became, uh, so first first it was medical, then it went to recreational. Um, 
because I work for a federal agency, I had to kind of negotiate this question all the time. And I was working downtown, and we'd have those 420 rallies. And uh, people would come to Colorado as a destination, you know, during that time. But it's different now because so many states have shifted their position. There's so much medical now, and there's a, there's a fair amount of uh, recreational throughout the... I mean, it's odd that we 32, have, dude. Is, is that medical, or is that, rec, is that medical? That's, rec that's recreational. Oh, wow. Wow. So... We're, we're moving in a certain direction to where at least uh, we, and, and Ryan and I, neither one, I mean, when we were kids, we smoked a ton. I haven't smoked regular in 27 years, a long time. So, but uh, um, the uh, postal inspectors, so like I worked at the post office downtown at that point, and uh, um, I was on by Mondays, and this specific year, uh, 420 was on a Monday. And uh, it's just to highlight what the situation in Colorado was, where the tension between the state and the federal position uh, made things extremely difficult. Um, uh, I come in on a Tuesday, and uh, this kid comes up to my counter. Uh, he's got long hair. He's got a beard. It's uh, kind of stereotypically maybe a fish show, you know, a goose show, dead show kind of person. And, uh, you know, in EDM like uh, SDS9 and all that kind of stuff. Um, the, the inspector came up behind me and uh, asked the kid what he was sending. And uh, said, I'm sending some candles. He said, do you mind if I, if I look uh, into your box? And the kid kind of looked at me. He said, no, that's fine. So the inspector opened it up, looked, kind of messed around with the candles for a minute. And... Uh, I said, okay, you can send it. So we taped it back up, and uh, I sent it for the kid, and I, I went and talked to the inspector for a minute. And I said, uh, I said what, what, what was that all about? And uh, he said, uh, so well, I, I just wanted to see if he was sending weed. I said, so what was your decision to open the package based on? He said, well, he, he, he had long hair and he had a beard. I said, so you're profiling? And he said, that's not profiling. I said, I said if it's 1963 and you, you go up to a black guy on the side of the road and pull him over, uh, is, is that profiling? He said, yeah. I said, well, then, you know, you, you, you're looking at this person. You're, you, you, don't have, you, you, don't, you haven't been following him. You don't know what his history is. You don't know if he's had any drug issues in the past. You don't, you don't know anything about him except for what he looks like. I said, is that... Uh, I said, is it, where's the probable cause there? He, he, he says, well, because, because he looked like it. Then I said, I said, that's profiling. So uh, he and I start going back and forth about this. And I said, I said you're not going to do that to another customer at my, at my window again. I said, what you're doing right there uh, is you're picking somebody out. I said, that's a civil liberties issue. I said, you don't have the right to open that up unless you have real probable cause. Um, and I said, if if they went and contacted the ACLU and came up here, and I didn't say something back to you, then I'm complicit at that point in time. So we're going back and forth, pretty heavy duty. And uh, there's a really cool inspector that would come in every now and again. When they would see huge, huge amounts of weed, he would be the one that would come in and send it uh, back to the place that they sent it uh, to. Um, and he'd always come in plain clothes, and it would, he would stink like weed so bad because he'd have literally like a box of 30 pounds of weed that if he sent an express. And it's always hilarious because nobody knows that he's an inspector, right? But uh, he's a really cool guy, really interesting guy um, who I talked to a bunch. And he says, hey, Jolly, come over here. 
uh, I need to talk to you for a second. Uh, he says, so tell me what happened. And, and like, I, I'd seen him. He'd been over there listening to the conversation that me and the other inspector had been having uh, the whole time. And uh, I said, I said, what he's doing is profiling. I said, I said, I, if, if we were to get in trouble, you know, because he's violating this guy's rights, and I'm standing there, I'm partaking in that. And I said, I can't, I can't be a part of that. And he said, he said, look, Darren, I, said, I need you to understand something right now. He said, Colorado was the only piece. California hadn't even gone to um, a recreational at this point in time. He says, Colorado is the only only state in the union right now that's got recreational. He says, people come here, and they said they buy. You know, a couple pounds of weed, they send it back, they send 10 packages, they're trying to just get five or six of them through. And he says, everything that you said is correct. He says, of course, we're, we're technically, what we're technically doing is borderline. He said, but you tell me what you want. He says, right now, the DEA, the FBI, they're funneling so much money into Colorado to, to negotiate this weed question it's just totally, he says, we can do whatever it is that we want, essentially, right now. He says, so what do you want? He says, if we do this for a couple of days after 420, then we come here, we make it look good. You know, nobody nobody can, uh, uh, they can it, it's like you get a couple of people and you pacify the people that are in power. It, it makes it look like you're doing your job. He says, you either have that, two or three days of somebody coming and doing that, or you have the DEA in here every day with the dogs. He says, which, which world do you prefer? He says, and I, like it, when he said the money thing, I was like, God, I never thought about that. But uh, when you're dealing with whether it's decriminalization or legalization, and you have this state federal tension that goes on, I mean, like I said, I work for the post office. It gets really, really fucking complicated, you know? And uh, I had to at least acknowledge, he told me that he wouldn't let any of the uh, inspectors come to my counter and just keep my mouth shut. So, and, and of course, we're in a, I only tell the story now because we're in a different world. People don't come to Colorado anymore to send weed to, to other places because you can get it from, you know, 40% of the states now. So, well, it, sorry, I was wrong on the numbers. So it's a total of 21 for, if you include Guam and Washington, D.C. That's Guam's, recreational. Guam's recreational? Yeah. Um, it's 37 that have it for medical reasons. Mm -hmm. So, it, I mean, it's still a lot of the states. Mm -hmm. Um, shit, even Utah has it for medicinal. Um, good job, Mormons. Good job. You know, when you were talking about the money, and, and we do need to wrap things up pretty quick here, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's funny because all of the states around Colorado at the time were suing the state of Colorado for the additional money that they had to spend in order to patrol the highways and border areas because of the people that were coming to buy weed and go there. And I always thought that that was the stupidest fucking lawsuit ever because if they didn't patrol those areas, then they wouldn't have to spend the extra money and they could just be doing what cops are supposed to do, which was protect us. Don't worry about the fucking weed coming over the border or the, the state line. Um, anyway. No, no. I would go with serve and protect. Okay, I, I like that. I like maybe they, we should we should petition for them to reverse that shit. What was it that I said in the book though? I said something different. 
because I was anyway. I I don't. It's been a minute since I read the old off the grid, brother. Um, I said serve and protect my ass. It was protect. Uh, anyway, fuck it. Um, that's all I've got to say about drug policy for now. I know we're gonna have to circle back to this at some point because there's a lot of things we didn't cover. Um, what's our phone number again? I don't. Seven two zero three three four. Roll. 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 Um, you got any last thoughts? Or rolling a joint. It's a bus rolling down the hill. All right. Thanks, everybody. This is Darren Jolly. I'm Brian Courtney. Hasta luego.